It's great to be here. It's great to be among you. And uh, you know, kind of, there are those times in your life where you're kind of talking to God and he just keeps telling you the same thing over and over and over again. And, uh, and sometimes, if you're anything like me, you kind of ignore the first few times and then eventually go, oh, yeah, that, that is God. Well, I just kind of had a little one of those moments this morning. Uh, because um, when I was, uh, was praying this morning of, uh, God, is there anything you, you want me to share? I was reminded of my son who came back from his Duke of Edinburgh yesterday, and he was doing canoeing on Friday and Saturday. Now, if you remember the weather Friday and Saturday, it was raining a little bit. Uh, and there was a bit of a thunderstorm at night, so he got... Oh, well, there was a thunderstorm and he was in a tent with other 13 and 14-year-old boys. So he got no sleep at all. And he came back and uh, he looked like a drowned rat. Uh, which, if you know my son, and I hope he never listens to this, he loves his hair. He's there going like this all the time. It was just all... It looked awful. Well, I said it looked great. But uh, he, he didn't think it looked so good. Uh, and, uh, and then we, we kind of... He had a wash, and he sat on the sofa and fell asleep, and then we woke him up to eat something and then put him to bed, and he slept all the way through. And then it was like raising the dead this morning. You were there kick, uh, um, roughly, gently uh, pushing him out of bed and encouraging him to get dressed because uh, they had to go down south uh, a bit early. And it was just really, really uh, exhausting for him. It completely wore him out. Uh, and uh, I was reminded of the passage in Isaiah 55 uh, uh, that says, Come, all you are thirsty. Come to the waters, and you have no money. Come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. That actually, when we have nothing, when we're completely thirsty, when we're hungry, come by and you don't have to pay for it. God's given it to us. And then you get to the end of that chapter and it says, you will go out in joy and be led forth in peace and the mountains and the hills will burst into song before you. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the pine tree. Instead of the briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown. And, and yet the, the flurry of words that came at the end of our worship this morning. We had Andy come and said, your, your present situation is not your final destination. There are those of us that are feeling exhausted, whether physically, whether spiritually, whether emotionally this morning, that are trying to do it on your own. Nicola shared in, in Isaiah 43, forget the former things. I am doing a new thing. And this is what I wrote this morning before I came here, that some of us are weary with life, with our situations, but God re-energizes us. He helps us clear away the old life, the former things that are holding us back, but we're a perfect new creation in him. I am doing a new thing. Instead of the thorn bush, there's a pine tree. Instead of the briars, there's a myrtle. I have no idea what a myrtle is, but it doesn't sound as spiky as the briars or a thorn bush. And then Chris shared that there will be an outbreak of joy. You will go out with joy and be led forth in peace. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not feeling that altogether in my life at the moment with all these things that are going on at work, family life, and everything else. So I think we all need to stand and we need to come before God and we need to say, I'm thirsty. I need you. 
I need that joy. I need to stop my old life and leave it behind and go forward with you because I'm a new creation, because I'm completely restored in you. So let's stand and pray. Oh, Father God, I just thank you that you are the restorer. You are the one that brings new life, that brings new creation. And we come before you as broken men and women this morning. And we thank you that our present situation is not our final destination. You make us new. You push off the former things which hold us back, which drag us down, and you give us a new life. So Holy Spirit, come. Come and fill us this morning. Help us in what you've got for us. And we pray that as we drink from those waters, as we have wine and milk that don't cost a penny from you because you freely give us, that we would really taste and see and know that you are good because you are God. Come fill us this morning. Amen. I'd urge you, talk to each other. Come to the response team afterwards. Because I really feel this is something that God's been pushing this morning. And and we are tired, if, if we're honest. We're all tired in many different ways. And we need that refreshing. And we need to keep going. And I need to get on. Yeah, come and... Uh, to the response team after if, if you just need that prayer, if you need to know that new life. So we're continuing our series on the characteristics of a godly family this morning and looking at humility. Uh, it was, it's a lovely topic that I'm really glad that I got because I, I don't know what you think of when you think of humility. Uh, maybe it's somebody that um, always puts others first. Maybe somebody that always puts yourself last. Uh, It could be someone who puts them down all the time, or being weak, uh, or letting others get their way, having a low regard for yourself. What, What do you think of when you think of humility? Because I think the problem I always have with humility is that often it feels that I'm making a choice to lower myself while I'm making somebody else look better. And at the conference uh, a few weeks ago, David Devonish was talking about different cultural systems around the world and the honour-shame culture, uh, which is predominant in Asia, that if you honour somebody for doing something, you effectively shame others for not doing it. As you lift one person up, you lower someone else down. And I think often that's what humility can feel like for me. That I, as I try to be humble, as I try to think less of myself and more of others, I, I often feel I, I might be missing out on something because I'm praising them up, so obviously I'm, I'm getting lowered. But that is so not humility. That's not godly humility at all. Godly humility is about surrendering yourself to God, surrendering yourself into how you fit into God's great plan. It's surrendering yourself to others so they may see Jesus working in you. And as you surrender yourself, God honours you and God lifts you up. Being truly humble is not missing out on something. Being truly humble is gaining loads from God. It's about surrendering and being part of his ultimate plan for the salvation of the world. 
Humility is actually an amazing thing. And we see this in the life of Mary, which we're going to look at this morning. Mary, the mother of Jesus, who didn't think about herself, but surrendered her own plans and her own life for God's plans and God's way. And we can look three times in Mary's life and how she actually humbled herself before God and then before others to honour Jesus who is both her son and her her saviour. So the first passage we're going to look at is in Luke 1. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Luke 1, uh, or your phones, or whatever. Uh, And the passage tells us, uh, just before we're going to pick up on it, that Elizabeth is already pregnant with John the Baptist. And when Elizabeth was pregnant, uh, about six months pregnant with John the Baptist, Mary was visited by the angel Gabriel. And, uh, And Mary was told that she'd be pregnant. So we pick it up in verse 34. How will this be? How will I be pregnant? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. And the angel Gabriel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. So, okay, recap. Angel Gabriel comes in and says to Mary, don't be scared. There's a massive angel shining right by you, but don't worry. You're going to have a baby. And don't worry, not any old baby, but you're going to have the son of God. Gabriel says it doesn't matter that you're a virgin because the Holy Spirit power will come on you and you will give birth to the Son of God. So what is going through your mind at this moment in time? Because there's quite a lot going through mine if I was Mary. I'd have a million one questions. Kind of like, well, okay, Joseph, my fiancé, what's he going to think about this? Uh, and, uh, and what about my family and my reputation in the community? I'm a really good girl. Or, or maybe, um, you know, I'm a teenager. That, that's quite a bit of responsibility for a teenager. Or think of a few friends that actually, they'd be much better than me at doing this than I would. Uh, but, but she doesn't, does she? She doesn't say any of those things. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled. She then runs round to Elizabeth's house to tell her what's happened. And as Mary tells Elizabeth, John the Baptist leaps in Elizabeth's womb and Elizabeth's filled with the Holy Spirit. See, as these women were humbled and said, your will be done, we see God just impacting them. We see the Holy Spirit rippling out from their lives and impacting those around them. Now, just for a quick minute, for those of you who remember Zachariah, Elizabeth's husband, you you see, no, you don't see this in his story, do you? You see him being told, you're going to have a son, and he says, no, I'm too old. So what happens? He doesn't speak until John the Baptist is born. You, You don't see him doing what these amazing women were doing. Mary and Elizabeth humbled themselves before God and were obedient and became filled with the Spirit and were rejoicing. And then Mary sings in verse 46, My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. 
From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed with a mighty deed with his arms. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their throne, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary sings because she sees it in her humility, in her trust in God, and her obedience to play her part in God's salvation plan. God will bless her and will continue to bless her. Whatever Joseph says, whatever the neighbours may think, whatever her reputation as a pregnant, young, and married woman, God has got it covered. God will continue to do great things for her because God scatters the proud. He brings down rulers from high places, but he lifts up the humble. He blesses the obedient and those that honour him. In Mary's humility, we don't see her putting herself down, do we? We don't see her groveling. We don't see her being quiet because she's rejoicing at the top of her voice. She's not pretending she's not pregnant. We see a bold, excited humility where she's surrendering herself to a greater purpose. And she's overflowing with joy as she's filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's rippling around and making waves. She's part of something amazing because she's surrendering herself. So what we learn first about humility from Mary's story is that we have to be humble before God. We need to be those that trust in God, even when we don't know what's around the corner. Mary was unmarried, she was young, but she took God seriously and she followed him. From a world perspective, this is a disaster, but Mary rejoices. She rejoices as she surrenders herself to be part of God's ultimate plan not knowing how it's going to pan out. Through the partnership that we have in Asia, I was told this month of a pastor in Orissa in India. In 2008, 20,000 Hindu fanatics rampaged through eight districts in Orissa, killing 750 Christians and destroying 16,000 houses. That's just loads. At a young age, this pastor was sharing his truth about Jesus at school. And in spite of the threats made to him, he just followed on following Jesus. He went to Bible school when he was 17. He then uh, traveled away to a different part of India and trained up to just work out how to share his faith. And in 2010, two years after this happened, he just became passionate to tell others about Jesus. But not only passionate that he would do it, but to train others and train other leaders up as well. And in the last 10 years, he's planted 82 churches and 9,000 people have become Christians. He started a school for the poor, which has reached 2,000 students. And he said, I decided I would follow Jesus as long as I would be on this earth to preach, teach, serve, and heal people in his name. Persecution has become normal for us in Orissa. Ever since I was five years old, I've been despised because I'm a Christian. Pray for us Christians in Orissa. Pray our faith will be strengthened in every day and that Jesus would continue to build his church in this part of the world. 
This man has humbled himself before God and it humbles me just hearing the story of what he's going through and been through. He's given up an easy life of burying his head in the sand and saying, well, it's up to someone else for standing up and ultimately humbling himself, serving others because he knows who he is in God and he knows where his treasure lies in heaven. So we're going to now skip the story forward a little bit and go to Luke 8, verse 19, around 30 years later. And we catch up with Jesus when he's preaching and there's a great crowd around him. And it makes it difficult for people to get close. And in Luke 8, verse 19, we read, Then Jesus' mother and his brothers came to him, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, Your mother and brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But Jesus answered them, my brother, mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. So just quickly, imagine a royal wedding. So I don't know who you prefer. You might be Kate and William. You might be um, Harry and Meghan or like me, you might be. Eh. Uh, and, uh, and so there's this royal wedding and it's just packed and there's loads of people watching uh, as they go by. And, and there's loads of people right at the front wanting to take photos of them. And there's crowds forming. And, and you're standing at the back of all these crowds because you got there a little bit late. Uh, and, and you just look over to your left and there's the king and the Duke of Edinburgh. And they're at the back of the crowds. And you obviously take a picture and put it on Instagram and you become a legend in seconds because the Duke and the Queen are at the back of the crowds while their grandson is getting married. And yeah, it's just weird, isn't it? And then actually you go and you interview Prince William and you say, but, but they couldn't make it. Your grandparents, the Queen couldn't make your wedding. And Prince William says, well... It doesn't matter that my grandparents weren't there. It's the fact the crowds were all out to see me and the public was there. It, it just wouldn't happen, would it? It's just really confusing. Why did that happen? And, and you see that in Mary. She's, she's at the back of the crowds. And she could have easily felt rejected because of the comments that Jesus had just said. My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. She may have been expecting to say, okay, clear the way. My mum's coming through, uh, or, or, or just get them to the front. Because I think the surprising reaction from Mary in this passage is actually that there is no reaction at all. Mary accepts what happens. She doesn't get in a mood. She doesn't tell Jesus that he's not going to have any dinner tonight. She, she just says, well, actually, that's my part I've got to play. And, and in God's whole salvation plan yeah and then you turn over two pages she felt secure in her relationship with Jesus she felt secure knowing that his plans were completely right for her you see I, we've heard so much from the front haven't we that, that we're not supposed to pray God what is your plan for my life but God where do I fit into your salvation plan for the world. And sometimes it's so hard for us to get our heads around the difference between those two things. But what is your plan for my life? It's all about me. It's all about what I'm doing. It's about me coming first and me being the most important person in that statement. And as the mother of Jesus, you would expect Mary to put a high value on herself. 
She was the mother of the Son of God. She went through a virgin birth. She went through the the looks of the neighbours. She could demand great earthly respect and honour because of all those things. She could have demanded that she was put straight through to the front of the queue because she'd just done so much for Jesus. She'd fed him. She'd cleaned him. But despite what she may have done in the past, she humbled herself and put the needs of others ahead of her own needs. She looked at where she served in the whole ultimate salvation plan of God. And then then we skip to a passage in John 19, verse 25. And there we see Jesus on the cross. And it's in the final few hours of his life. And people are standing around looking at him with the sign above his head saying, Jesus, King of the Jews. And John writes in verse 25, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there, the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Mother, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. See, I've often thought of the sacrifice that Father God made when sending Jesus to die for us. And although it's nowhere near the same scale, Mary sacrificed her own son as well. And I've not always thought of what did Mary feel as she saw her son hang on the cross? What could she do? How could she help him? She's standing there and it just seems as Mary's looking up, she accepts that a sacrifice had to be made of her son. She watched her son, who she gave birth to, dying on that cross. And as Jesus made sure that she was looked after when he had gone, Mary surrendered herself, knowing that there must be a greater purpose. Remember, she had no idea he was going to rise again in three days. But she humbled herself, knowing that Father God had an ultimate plan and was in control. The way Mary lived her life, the way she surrendered to God's plans, even when they were difficult, even when she didn't know what was coming next, that she desired to serve God and obey him. It's just so challenging. She loved God and she was humble and surrendered herself to put God first and trusted that God had a plan when Jesus was hanging on the cross, when she was sacrificing her own rights as a mother and putting the needs of the crowd first. We can learn a lot by the way that Mary lived her humble, servant-filled, submitting life. But I don't think we can really look at humility without looking at Jesus as well. And again, in your Bibles, if you want to turn to Philippians 2, it's just the first 11 verses are filled with great truths about humility. Therefore... If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility consider others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, 
but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as man, even though he was God, he humbled himself. He submitted himself and sacrificed himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I just, it's an amazing passage, isn't it? Jesus, who was God, he made the earth, he made the stars, he made the planets, he made the universe, he made the grass, the mammals, the fish, the insects, he made absolutely everything. And, and yet he didn't look to his own interests. He could have just enjoyed his creation. He didn't just wait and see how we'd get on, on our own. But he looked through the interests of others. He looked to you and to me. He made himself nothing. He became a frail, helpless baby who had to have food and water, who had to work and clothe himself rather than just create things out of nothing. He became human. He felt emotions. He felt temptations. He felt the warmth of the sun and the strength of the storm. And yet he chose to surrender himself. He chose to surrender himself to God's amazing salvation plan for the world. He was obedient and he lived as a human, filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus surrendered himself and was obedient to death. He never put himself down. He never thought less of himself so that others would think better of him. He humbled himself by surrendering himself to the will of God, being filled with the Holy Spirit and obediently went to the cross and died not for his gain, but for ours. He played his part in God's ultimate salvation plan. And that's what we have to do. We have to humble ourselves, surrender ourselves before God, surrender our plans, surrender our thoughts, surrender our ways before a God whose thoughts are higher than our thoughts, whose ways are higher than our ways, whose plans are perfect in every way. And we see that with Mary. She humbled herself before God. She became pregnant through a virgin conception. She surrendered her life plans and willingly followed her part in God's salvation plan for the whole world. Mary could have felt humiliated when Jesus said her brothers and his brothers and mothers were those that hear the word of God and put it into action. But she wasn't humiliated. She surrendered herself to God's salvation plan. She trusted Jesus and put his plans ahead of her own. Mary could have felt abandoned when Jesus was hanging on the cross. But she didn't. She trusted Jesus. 
She surrendered herself to God and put others' needs ahead of her own by seeing her son die on the cross. Whatever's going on in your life this morning, we get back to that storm we were talking about earlier. That could be family issues, that could be work problems, that, that could be feeling lonely, it could be feeling abandoned, it could be health difficulties. We need to surrender ourselves to God. Because it's from that peace, that place of peace, it's from knowing that God has your life in his hands. It's knowing that you are truly loved and you are a perfect person in the purposes of God. That then we can work together for what God's got for the ultimate plan of salvation for Bedford and beyond. As we surrender ourselves before God, we then can surrender ourselves before each other. Putting other needs ahead of our own, working together through hard times and good as we play our part in God's ultimate salvation plan. And that could look different for each one of us and will look different because for some of us it could mean surrendering ourselves to God and realising who God is and that he's able to, to work in every situation that we're going through and knowing who we are in God even if we're going through a rough time with whatever we're going through, if we choose to be humble, God will work through it. If we choose to surrender ourselves to God, even though the plans might not work out as we think, he will work through it. We're going through a rough time in our wider family life uh, at the moment uh, at home. And, and there's times I've really had to be humble. There's times I've really had to strengthen, uh, surrender myself there's times I've had to literally bite my tongue. And there's times I've had to really stop myself from getting angry uh, over situations. So I have no idea how it's all going to work out. And, and, and I pray that it works out good. But, but as I pray, I have to surrender myself to God. And I realize the situation isn't about me, but about me playing my part in God's ultimate salvation plan for those that I'm with in my family. And I pray that as God's will will be done, and it's his will and not the way I want it to work out, but actually that means me to surrender myself to God and surrender myself to those that I love in my family. But as I surrender myself, I, I realise God's forgiveness. And as I realise God's forgiveness for me, that helps me forgive others. As I surrender myself to God, I realise how much I've been restored and been made perfect. And, and as I realise that for me, I can see that in others. And as we sang earlier, as I realise that I am a child of God and not a son or daughter of this world, I can bring hope because I am a child of God. And as All Nations Church, together we have a part to play in God's amazing salvation plan. And for some of us, this might be a time where we need to surrender ourselves to God and see what part we play within the church, whether that's face-to-face, -face, whether that's community halls, whether that's reaching the youth or children, whatever part God is calling you to, step up and face it as you surrender yourself to God and he will work through you. So I'm going to ask the band to come to the front. And I'm going to ask us to stand because I think actually this is a challenge for all of us. I think all of us need to surrender ourselves to God. And if this is particularly hard for you, if this is something that really you feel that you'd really like, like to, somebody to help you through and work through, then, then come forward and, and be prayed for.
If you feel you need to know that joy we were talking about earlier, come forward and be prayed for. But, but first of all, let's just stand and surrender ourselves to God. And if you don't know Jesus this morning, the Jesus we've been talking about, the Son of God who sacrificed himself for you, we so want to talk to you about that because he's life-changing. So come to the front now or after and speak to anybody you've seen up the front because we want to share the amazing truths about Jesus. But for those of us that do know Jesus this morning, that know the power of the cross, just stretch out our hands. Let's surrender ourselves to God. Let's put his plans ahead of our plans, his thoughts, his ways ahead of our ways. Let's give him those situations that are just impossible, that we're struggling with, and just know that he's a God who, who has an ultimate plan in it all. And just put your hands in his and say, I trust you, Father God, for your thoughts are higher than our thoughts and your ways are higher than my ways. I surrender myself into your plans.